Well, this is our last sermon in our Mission Refresh sermon series. So we started out the year looking at our mission statement as we enter into this next phase of our revitalization effort. So the very first sermon, we reviewed where we've been so far. We looked at our history in the start of this revitalization effort so that we could celebrate the past, so that we could celebrate what God has done, but also to remind ourselves that we aren't done with this revitalization effort. We're, we're in some ways at the very start of it. As we mark two years in our relocation in this building as Resurrection Church, I see us like a little plant that's been repotted and is growing, but is still young and needs to be strengthened. So we've focused on our mission as we enter into this next phase of our revitalization effort, trying to recommit ourselves to our commitment to glorify God, to grow together as followers of Christ, and to go into our community, serving our neighbors and sharing the good news about King Jesus. It's my prayer that through these sermons, you've been able to reflect on our mission and that you've recommitted to it and that by God's grace, we would be enabled to carry out that mission with faithfulness and fervor in the days ahead. But in this final sermon of our series, I want to draw your attention to Paul's description of the church as the body of Christ. He uses this metaphor to teach us who we are and how we ought to live. It's a metaphor that we're supposed to live by. But if you pay attention to the way Paul uses this metaphor in the New Testament, he uses it in two distinct ways. First, he uses it in the way that Ben just read from 1 Corinthians. There, he uses this metaphor to focus on a local church. And he's picturing a local church as a human body. And every person in the church is a body member, a body part. And, and every member of the church then is valuable because they bring their own unique functions. And it, within that body, difference of function or appearance or ability is not an expression of weakness, but of strength. That's what allows the body to actually function. That imagery not only permits, but encourages diverse giftings and practices and interests alongside a shared commitment to the health of the whole. When we talk about church membership, we're drawing from that metaphor. We, we aren't talking about membership in the way that we talk about it with our gym memberships, where we just pay a monthly fee so that we can have access to something. It's, it's not a member like that. It's like a body member, a body heart. When we talk about church membership, we're drawing on this metaphor, and that's actually one of the grounding rationales for why we practice membership the way we do. So in our membership seminar, I comment that there are no verses in the New Testament that command you to join a church. You know, I used to think there were verses like that until I had to do a membership seminar where I was telling people you should join the church. And there is no verse that explicitly says everyone must formally join the membership of a church. But the Bible teaches us how to live beyond specific commands, and it does so in this me metaphor of the body. You, you have to connect meaningfully to a local church for that metaphor to be lived out. Now, there are other texts that imply membership, um, but this is one of the key ones. 
But the body metaphor is also used in a second and different way, not to talk about a local church, but to talk about the church universal, all churches in all places across all times, what we refer to as the church Catholic. Now, this is a brief explanation because anytime we use the term Catholic in a Protestant church, we have to add an explanation. Um, when, when we recite the creed, the Apostles' Creed, and we say that we believe in the, in the Catholic Church, the Holy Catholic Church, we're not talking about the Roman Catholic Church. Catholic is just a word that means universal, and we're talking about all true churches, all churches that confess Christ and the gospel across time and place and denomination and, and whatever other distinguishing factor you could identify, the church Catholic is just the church universal. So it's a little bit of a pet peeve. I would urge you all, if you're referring to the Roman Catholic Church, call it the Roman Catholic Church, so that way you can keep in mind the church Catholic are true churches everywhere. So this second body metaphor doesn't talk about just the local church, but the church universal, the church Catholic, and it's found in Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. So I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, to turn to Ephesians 1, 22, and 23, where you'll be able to see this metaphor used by Paul really briefly. Ephesians 1, 22 and he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him, that's Christ, as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. So Christ is the head over all things for the church, his body. So if in the first body metaphor, you imagine a whole body that is the local church, in this metaphor, you need to imagine all of the churches across time and place as the body from the neck down with Christ as the head. So it's a separate metaphor. Do you see the distinction between these two metaphors? One applies to the local church. The second applies to all churches in a more universal way. And in this sermon, I want to consider this second body metaphor and to do so in the context of our ongoing consideration of membership in a denomination in the Evangelical Free Church of America. What I'm trying to do is show how this body metaphor would push us forward to make a formal connection with other churches. Now, to be clear, I'm not trying to argue that faithful churches must join a denomination. However, I am trying to argue that this first body metaphor of the local church that shows us how each individual member has a function in the larger body also has implications for this second body metaphor where we understand that every local church is a body part of the larger body of Christ. And as such, local churches ought to connect meaningfully with that larger body of Christ. Again, that formal commitment, that formal connection to the larger body could take shape in a variety of ways, whether through partnering with another local church for a singular missions endeavor, or through a church network, or even through joining a denomination. But fundamentally, I want us all to understand that Resurrection Church is not the true church by ourselves. 
rather were part of the body of Christ, part of the church universal. So in this sermon, I want to consider three features of the church universal or the church Catholic that inform our commitment to formally partner with other churches. So three things this metaphor teaches us. First, the metaphor teaches that all faithful churches are connected to each other via their shared connection to Christ the head. So all true churches are already connected to one another via their connection to Christ the head. The metaphor teaches, secondly, that individual churches then, as body parts, are necessarily diverse and different from one another, even as they share a fundamental connection to Christ the head. Third, the metaphor teaches that individual churches as body parts ought to operate in a mode of interdependence with other churches instead of in total independence and essential isolation from the rest of the body of Christ. So those are the three points we'll consider. So we'll start with number one, the Christocentricity of the church is how we might title that. The Christocentricity of the church. First, the body metaphor teaches us that Christ is the head of the body, and therefore, all faithful churches are connected to each other via their connection to Christ. As such, the very nature of the church is that all local churches who find their connection to Christ also find an organic connection to one another, whether they realize it or not. So if we press this metaphor a little bit, we can imagine that there are many churches who do not formally connect with one another in the same way that some body parts don't formally connect with each other. Imagine a body where the body parts aren't working, like mine. My brain wants my throat and lungs to do one thing, which is to speak clearly and coherently and cogently. But my lungs and my throat are not cooperating. That's not the way it's supposed to be. It's frustrating. You can imagine a body where the body parts just don't want to function together. It's not a healthy body. Whether through paralysis or a stroke, sides of the body sometimes just don't work together. They're not functioning as they should, even though at a fundamental level they share the same DNA. They're organically connected, and in an ideal world they would be functioning properly. Health is the body functioning in its proper manner. Unfortunately, I think the state of the church today is very much like my lungs and my throat right now, where we aren't functioning as a coherent body, but instead we're functioning in essential isolation from one another and even in antagonism against one another. But that's not representative of what Christ desires for the church. When we read texts like John 17, 20 through 23, and we find Christ's prayer for the church to be unified, even as the Father and the Son are unified, we understand that the church now doesn't reflect what it ought to. This is one of those strange moments where we have to admit that Jesus' prayer hasn't been answered yet, at least not fully. By all appearances, the church global tends to express more disunity than unity by whatever metrics you use. 
that's disheartening because it's not supposed to be that way. Because churches share their connection to Christ the head, and in that shared source of life and identity in Jesus, there's the possibility of unity, local churches ought to take up the responsibility to be the answer to Jesus's prayer by pursuing unity where possible with other true churches. Local churches ought to connect meaningfully with other faithful churches. Now, the calculus of how this unity is forged is going to differ in every setting. We, we can't prescribe one way that every church ought to find unity with other faithful churches. But we must at least admit that we have a responsibility to pursue unity with other churches. So what does that mean for us at Resurrection Church? What are the steps that we ought to take to pursue unity with other churches? First, as we mentioned in our family discussion forum last, at the start of the month, the pastors here believe that we can take a step forward to better integrating as part of the body of Christ by pursuing membership in a denomination. More than that, we have done a lot of research to look into the Evangelical Free Church of America as a collection of faithful churches. We believe that by joining the Evangelical Free Church of America, we can better express our desire to see Christ's prayer answered. We believe that by joining a denomination, we can better express the unity that's possible in the body of Christ. Second, even as we believe that joining the Evangelical Free Church of America could move us toward a better representation of what Christ intends for the church, we also recognize that the EFCA by itself, the Evangelical Free Church of America, is not the body of Christ alone. What I'm trying to say here is that there are churches outside of the EFCA that are faithful churches and who share the same organic connection to Christ the head that we do. For that reason, even as we consider joining a denomination, we are not suggesting that we should cut off our relationships with other churches or that we should close ourselves off to opportunities to partner with other churches simply because they aren't part of the denomination that we may join. Even as we believe that denominational membership might help us express our unity as the body of Christ, we have to refuse to adopt any kind of denominationalism that says whatever denomination we're part of is the only true church. That would be a mistake. The body of Christ is bigger than any one denomination. So even as we potentially join a denomination, we must resist any attitude or course of action that would make us treat churches outside of that denomination as if they're unfaithful or unable to be partnered with. So in sum, the body metaphor teaches us that all churches are organically connected together via their connection to Christ, the head. That is, all true churches. In sum, the body metaphor teaches us that all true churches who are connected to Christ, their head, can find unity with other churches. We have a category for 
false churches or for unfaithful churches. All we have to do is read Revelation, the opening chapters that talk about the, the lampstands being removed to churches to understand there are churches that are not true or faithful churches that we could never partner with. But there are many true and faithful churches in the EFCA and outside of it. And if we join this denomination, I think that we'll be positioning ourselves to better tie into this body metaphor and to pursue the kind of unity that Jesus prayed for in John 13. All right, so first we learn from this body metaphor about the Christocentricity of the church. Christ is center. And as a result of that, all churches who are connected to Christ the head are also organically connected to one another. All right, number two, this metaphor teaches us about the diversity of the church. The diversity of the church. So the metaphor of the body of Christ teaches us that all true local churches share a connection to each other via their connection to Christ the head, but it also teaches us that local churches are necessarily diverse. They're different. As parts of the larger body of Christ, individual local churches are going to be different. They will necessarily take different shape, different functions, and they'll find different expression even as they remain organically connected to Christ the head. Ears and eyes and toes and fingers, elbows, <coughs> knees, hearts and lungs, all of these body parts are different. They have different functions. They take a different shape, but they share the same Christ DNA that unites them in one body. The differences are not only acceptable, but desirable. Because it's the differences that allow the body to carry out all of its functions, to pursue its, its intended purpose. The body metaphor teaches us that diversity and difference, when they're expressed in faithfulness to Christ the head, are not problems to be solved, but in fact, they're strengths that ought to be welcomed and embraced. So the lesson to learn at a basic level is that regardless of our formal connection to other churches, we all have friends and family who are parts of other churches, some of them even in the same city, and those churches are different than us. And if we don't learn this basic lesson, then we'll always be looking at these other churches that our friends and family are connected to with some measure of criticism and maybe even cynicism as we look down on them for being different from us. But if we can grab onto this body metaphor and realize that differences among local churches is actually a strength, then instead of being critical of every difference that every other church has from us, we can learn to embrace that as strength that the body needs. Because if we were all one eye, what good would that be? Where would the hearing be? If we were all an ear, where would the seeing be? We recognize that we need local churches to be different so that the full function of the body can be carried out. Not every difference then indicates a failure of faithfulness to Christ. On the contrary, 
differences between local churches often demonstrates the beautiful diversity of the church and the genius of Christ that cultivates the right body part for the right job. So we must grab onto this body metaphor so that we don't feel threatened by other churches when they're different from us, but also so that we don't become critical and judgmental of what Christ is commending in other churches. I'll tell you what, this is a lesson that I think God has been trying to teach me for a really long time. Like, from the time I was a, like, I have the weird memory from the time I was a little kid, not liking the church that I was at. My dad was the pastor of that church. And I remember finding this box of hymnals and trying to start a church within our church in the nursery with the other, like, seven-year-olds. And then that like strong desire for independence and doing church the way I wanted it to be done took a dark turn in high school and college as I could hardly sit through a sermon without being hypercritical of the speaker. And, and then as I got into seminary, looking at all the other churches and being so judgmental of them that I couldn't see that God was at work in them. I think God's been working on me in that. And I hope God will work on our church in that. I think God has used that doctrine, diversity class, um, division and unity class we had last year to help us in this. But we need to commit to this metaphor of the body of Christ in the necessary diversity that's included in that so that we don't start judging what God commends. As we read the New Testament, we get descriptions of a diverse church with differences in cultural context, in leadership structures, in spiritual gifts and ministries, in theological emphases, and even in direct practices. Certainly, we also see in the New Testament churches that fall into theological error, and we see sinful differences. But the response to those sinful differences was not just judgmental criticism, but a movement towards those churches to bring about health. If we join the EFCA, we will join a denomination that includes churches that are quite different from us in a variety of ways. Some of those differences are more commendable than others. I don't feel the need to defend every difference in every EFCA church in the same way that I don't need to feel the obligation to defend the difference in every other church out in, on planet Earth. But if we are to join a denomination, we will encounter churches that are different than us. And we need to learn to do two things. On the one hand, we need to learn to distinguish between faithful differences and unfaithful differences. Because there are some churches with unfaithful differences. And where we see unfaithful differences, we need to tie into the denominational structures to see faithfulness brought about in those churches. But then as we see faithful differences, we need to learn to thank God for those differences rather than to feel insecure about them or to be judgmental of them. So, let me give an example. We believe as a church that we can be healthiest if we cultivate a church family feel at our church. So when, when we've talked about our vision, we've talked about not wanting to outgrow this building. 
Our plan isn't to try to grow this church to fill this building and then start doing multiple services and then to have another campus or something like that. We, we kind of interviewed some people when we were looking at this church restart and kind of learned from people's experiences at other churches. When their churches got above like 200 or 250, they didn't really know the people anymore. So, so we've committed to being small church. If we hit those numbers, we pray that we'll send out church plants or send members to help strengthen other churches. That's a value that we have as a church, and I hope we never lose that value. At the same time, there are other churches in our city and beyond, both in the EFCA and outside, that are committed to larger churches, that are churches of 300 or 500 or 1,000. And what we could do wrongly is to say, that's different from us, and therefore it's bad. That, that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying we need to learn to recognize the difference between faithful difference and unfaithful difference. And if we tie into this body of Christ metaphor, then we can understand that God uses a thousand-person churches to accomplish kingdom ministry that a 200-person church could never do. And instead of being totally critical of the thousand-person church, we ought to be thankful for what God is doing through that church that would be impossible for him to do through us. Does that make sense? That's, that's just one example. It's an easy one, because I think especially small churches can get insecure about being small, even as they're committed to that value, and then it works itself out in judgmentalism towards other churches. And that's true on any number of issues. So that we, as a church, learning from this body metaphor, must commit ourselves not to impose our values as moral judgments on other churches where they might be different than us. We can have our values. I think that's good for us. It's good to lean into our distinctions and embrace it and stay committed to it. But we must avoid turning them into moral judgments on other churches that are different than us when Christ gives full freedom for difference in those areas. But then second, as we learn from this metaphor, we need to embrace an association with other churches even churches that we might not choose to join personally without feeling the need to judge them or criticize them or defend them. If we join the EFCA, there will be churches that we don't naturally connect to. There will be churches that, we prop that I probably wouldn't join because I have preferences like every one of you have preferences. But the body metaphor teaches us that our response to these churches should be to recognize the fact that we have a shared connection with Christ our head and embrace them regardless of the difference. All right, so this body metaphor teaches us that all true local churches are connected to one another via their connection to Christ the head. That's the Christocentricity of the church. But then it also teaches us, as we've just considered that local churches are necessarily different. To work out that body metaphor, they're diverse and distinct, just as each body part has its own different and distinct function. But then third, and finally, the metaphor teaches us that local churches must relate to one another interdependently. 
So, so far you might be saying, okay, it's fine that we have this organic shared connection with all other true churches through Christ who is our head, but I don't feel the need to formally lean into that. And it's fine that other churches are diverse. I just don't want to see it or be aware of it or be connected to it. I just want to be independent doing our own thing. Well, in our membership seminar, we talk about the way that a local church cannot have members who function in raw independence. And I think the same is true for local churches as part of the universal body of Christ. In our membership seminar, we talk about the importance of interdependency for members of the local church. But it's the same truth at play for local churches as members of the universal body of Christ. But just as many church members fail to adopt the manner of interdependency, so too do many local churches fail to operate in an interdependent way and instead operate on a spectrum from raw independence to total dependence. So I'm going to walk through the things that you may be familiar with from our membership seminar, but I want to apply them to the way that a local church operates. So let let me lay out the various modes of operating that some churches adopt. First, many churches adopt a posture of pure dependence. Many local churches might be motivated to join a denomination or to be part of a church network so that they can rely totally on that denomination and network to accomplish the mission of the church and to support their church and to bring resources to them. This approach can be described as a bare consumerism, where this local church connects to a denomination expecting to be served and is either unwilling or unable to join in serving alongside other churches in the denomination. So this is like a child that can't do anything for themselves. They're virtually dependent on their parents for everything. Now, sometimes that dependence is understandable. (coughs) You can imagine a church plant just getting started. Well, they might tie into denomination to get financial resources and other help as they start their church. But if that church plant continues just to be a leech on the denomination, that mode of dependence is really, really immature. As we look to join a denomination, we should not look at it as going into it just for what a denomination could do for us. We shouldn't enter into it in a mode of pure dependence just looking to get money and resources from a denomination. That's childish. That's immature. Now, at the same time, we're basically a church plant, two years old, and we need some more help. We need some resources. So it's not wrong to look for them, but we ought not go into a denominational partnership thinking we're here just for what we can get out of this. Second, Some churches engage in relationship to other churches in a mode of pure independence. I grew up in an independent, fundamental Baptist church. So if you want to talk about independence, I know all about independent churches. Essential isolation from and indifference to other churches. This church might be highly motivated and hardworking and They they go about doing a lot of ministries and very good things, but they do so in complete independence from other churches. 
They operate and act as if no other church is faithful to the gospel and no other church is doing it right. So our aim is not only to establish our church, but then to get offshoots of our church brand wherever we can plant them. We see this a lot um, even in the Twin Cities where churches will plant another church like down the street from a really faithful gospel preaching church. That mode of independence kind of frustrates the ability of the church to do the mission that God has called us to. Um, it's like horses that are all like pulling in their own direction instead of teaming up and pulling together with that extra boost of horsepower. Local churches can tend to operate in the mode of pure independence. It's us and God against the world. There are no other true churches out there. Not only is that not true, and not only is that disconnected from the body metaphor, but in the end, it's ultimately debilitating because no church can be self-sustaining forever. Every church hits a spot where it knows it needs other people. And operating in a mode of pure independence severs that organic connection to other churches. Third, many churches engage in a mode of what I would call dependent independence. And this is a little bit contradictory, but there are some churches that want to have all of the freedom of total independence while also grabbing onto all the resources of other churches in a denomination. And honestly, I would say that's somewhat how our church has functioned historically in connection to uh, the SEND network that helped us out with some resources as we started here. We, we have not tied into any of their other initiatives. We've just gotten their money, and they've been happy to do that, but it's not a healthy way to engage in denominational life. And as we pursue membership in the EFCA, we need to avoid this mode of dependent independence, where we want all the resources and want all the independence. It's like the 18-year-old who wants to live in his parents' house and have complete freedom while his parents pay his college bill and provide him food and money, but he doesn't want any of the obligations of cleaning the house or showing up for a family dinner. That's just really immature and unloving and unthoughtful. We don't want to be the teenager church that grabs onto the resources while insisting on our independence, all the while being offended when someone wants to connect to us or asks us for help. So what's the better way forward? The better way forward is to operate in a mode of interdependency. This is the most mature and preferred way to live with relationship to other churches. This approach recognizes the reality that every individual church has strengths and weaknesses. And instead of attacking those weaknesses to gain strength for ourselves, we ought to compensate for the weaknesses of others. We ought to allow our, them to lean into our strengths to compensate for their weaknesses. And we ought to lean into their strengths to compensate for our own weaknesses. This interdependent approach recognizes the nature of the body as different and diverse and dependent on one another as we're ultimately dependent on Christ. The only way that we can do this, the only way that we can operate in a mode of interdependent 
connect with other churches is to find deep security in our relationship to Christ, our head. If Christ is the head, and in his wisdom he has connected us to the rest of the body, then we can trust him in bringing us into a relationship with other churches, a formal partnership together as we put on display a healthy body, unified in response to Christ's prayer in John 17. As we work to operate as a body of interdependence, we're drawn to relate to other churches in a mode of humility and love and respect, seeking to honor one another and other churches as body parts of the one body of Christ. We see this worked out in the New Testament in a variety of ways. So we see local churches operating in an interdependent manner as they offer financial support to one another, as they bring disaster relief as famine hits various regions, as they coordinate missionary sending efforts, as they offer mutual encouragements, as they send saints and representatives from one church to another. They join in prayer for one another, in fellowship as they gather together across church lines. The churches in the New Testament, at their best, operate neither in complete independence from one another or complete dependence on one another, but instead in a manner of interdependence as the body of Christ. And Resurrection Church must learn to do the same. We believe that joining a denomination puts us into a position where we can consciously and formally pursue that mode of operating, a mode of interdependence with other churches as we avoid the extremes of isolation and total dependence. What will that look like? I'm not sure what it will look like outside of it taking shape over time as we learn to relate with the unique churches that God will bring us into contact to in our area and beyond. I think we must adopt a posture of open-handedness and discernment as we build relationships with these other churches and as we take opportunities to grow in interdependence with them. So we look at this body metaphor. As I said at the beginning of this sermon, there's not just one way that it can work itself out. Joining a denomination isn't a moral necessity. We could find ways to display this body metaphor with formal connections to other churches outside of joining a denomination. But joining a denomination puts us in a position where we formally and consciously respond to the lessons of the body metaphor. The metaphor that teaches us that we can have a true and organic relationship and connection to all other true churches via our shared connection with Christ the head. Metaphor teaches us that individual churches are necessarily different and diverse. And by joining a denomination, we connect ourselves with other churches in a way that we can grow in our maturity and in our appreciation of difference and diversity. This metaphor teaches us that these individual churches, these body parts, are at their healthiest when they operate in a mode of interdependence with one another. It's my prayer that as we 
consider joining the membership of the Evangelical Free Church of America, that God would use this decision to grow in us a greater unity with the body of Christ and a greater reflection of the unity that Christ prayed for. But this decision isn't made. It's not done. We're still talking about this as a church. So as we conclude, I want to urge you to prayerfully consider what it would look like for Resurrection Church to contribute to the unity that Jesus prayed for. What it would look like for our church to display the body metaphor in real life and in action. And then I would urge you, as you prayerfully consider what it would look like for Resurrection Church to display this unified connection of the body of Christ, that you would engage with us as pastors, and that you would engage in conversation in our family discussion forum in March as we consider this in more depth. Let's think about this together, because even as we, as one body part of the larger body of Christ, are attempting to strengthen that connection, we're also operating as a body here, where each individual member is valuable and has something to contribute in all areas, including this discussion. Finally, as we go forward together, let's commit as a diverse and different local church here to grow in our love for one another and in our love for Christians who are connected to churches across the Twin Cities and across the world as we learn to embrace the unique metaphor of the body of Christ with all the difference that there is in it. Let's pray that God would help us in this. God, we thank you for your bringing together one body, one body that is not unified by gender or ethnicity or skin color or geography or any other kind of identity, but that is unified completely, wholly, and forever in Christ who is our head. Would you give our church wisdom as we seek to navigate our way forward into a greater connection to the body of Christ, the church universal? Would you give us wisdom and grace? Would you give us discernment? And most of all, would you give us the kind of unity and love that we need so that the world will know that we are Christ's disciples, so that they will see the kind of love shared between you and the Son. Would you use us in this way? In Christ we pray. Amen.